What's up, everyone? We are around 24 hours from Game 2 here as we're recording this. We're going to talk about Bucks and the Bulls Game 2. We're also going to talk about an old friend, Boogie Cousins, who has been in the news in the last 24 hours. Interesting stuff to say, including about Milwaukee. We'll talk about Bobby Porter showing up on the injury list as well. And then look ahead, uh, as I said, to what we can expect from the Bucks in Game 2. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning, fading shot. Up, good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and after every Bucks playoff game. And uh, also find some of my work over at ESPN. And alongside me, she is every week, Camille Davis uh, from the Technical Foul Podcast, although uh, they are taking a night off tonight, which is very yeah. unlike uh, Camille. So she's, she's putting all her energy into Locked On Bucks tonight. And uh, <laughs> she did tell me that she has some stuff to say. So we'll see uh, where that's... Uh, what that... <laughs> What those takes are directed at, or who those takes are directed at, in a little bit. But uh, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day, particularly during the playoff run. Uh, we're close to 3K subscribers on YouTube as well. So if you just listen on the old-fashioned audio podcast, which is which is honestly that's how I do it. Uh, I don't listen to myself, but other podcasts. Uh, but feel free to jump across on YouTube and uh, help us out there. Get us above 3K over the next few days or over the next week. Uh, Camille, uh, before we get to the basketball, uh, you had an accident today. Uh, you tweeted about it, which means it's public knowledge, which means that I feel comfortable <laughs> with bringing it up. What happened? All right. So picture this. I'm leaving work, right? I'm working downtown. I'm leaving work. I'm feeling good about myself. Like you know, I made it through the day. I've had a long day, ready to go home. Mm. I step off the curb because I was waiting for the walk sign to actually say walk. I was being a good citizen and everything. That's right. Step off the sidewalk and it's a pothole that I clearly miss seeing. So the part of my foot that was still on solid ground stayed there. And the part that was in the pothole completely went into the pothole. So Mm -hmm. uh, like the the bone on the outside of your ankle, like touched touched ground. Mm. I almost fell, but I just buckled, you know, kind of. Had to, whoa, catch myself a little bit. <laughs> and now um, I have a swollen ankle. Uh, my knee hurts. Got it got it propped up right now as we, <laughs> as we podcast. So the Milwaukee potholes tried to take me out. I wasn't even driving. I was just walking, and it still almost took me out. Um, so when this happens, now obviously this hurts, uh, but everyone's been here before. Everyone's like tripped or had some sort of unfortunate public uh, incident while just trying to walk uh do you look around and see if anyone's looking do you just play it cool do you pretend it didn't happen how did you handle this uh this one when i when i buckled i I looked up because i saw someone was crossing (laughs) with me so i did look to the side to see if she was also with me but she wasn't even paying me any attention so i just Uh, had a moment to myself i didn't look at any other cars i just kept my 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 gaze straight so i'll just eat this l and uh and keep walking (laughs) I will say one last thing: the the sidewalks or the footpaths, the roads in Milwaukee, everything about it is 
an absolute danger to society. It is an absolute joke over there. And oh, uh, yeah. whether you're walking, running, riding a bike, whatever you're doing, it's. I see people on skateboards, and I say, I, I would not be doing that if I was you. That does not feel like a safe activity, and the streets of Milwaukee. So, I feel for you, Camille. Yeah, I, really I couldn't do. agree it's, more. It's a tough, uh, <laughs> tough situation for you to be in. Uh, speaking of. Uh, let's say a situation that I'm not as concerned about, but it is noteworthy. Game two, 8.30 p.m. Central Time at Fiserv Forum, as we know. But uh, Bobby Portis did surface on the injury report as uh, probable. So you expect that he's probably going to play, but it's a calf contusion. Now, I mentioned this to you before we started recording. You didn't remember it. I'm sure a bunch of our listeners saw it, depending on what broadcast maybe that affected it as well. But certainly, I had it on TNT and certainly on the TNT broadcast, you saw Bobby Porter sort of grabbing uh, his calf. I believe it was in the second quarter, so it was pretty early in the game, uh, and he continued to play it out. So that, to me, told me that it was probably more, uh, as the injury report says, a contusion rather than a strain. If it was a strain, then you would be concerned for what that means uh, moving forward. But you never like to see important role players like this show up on the injury report, but it at least looks like he's probably going to play. Yeah, I mean, that's the the positive news that you would take out of seeing Bobby appear on the injury report. It's just the fact that he's probable. It's not something that seems like it'll be long-term. Doesn't seem like this is going to be a, a Luka Doncic situation where, you know, like you mentioned, it's a strain and we're missing a couple of games here. So Bobby being probable is, is good, but also makes me think a little bit about the additional depth that we have mm. um, in game one, Giannis didn't play as many minutes as he would have uh, because of his foul trouble. So I'm curious if Bud kind of lets off of Bobby a little bit in this upcoming game to give him just a little bit more time to kind of rest. I'm sure they appreciated the extra day in between games. I know uh, some of us fans were kind of like, what? Like, come on, we wish it was a Tuesday game. Like, let's get right back into it. But I'm sure they were happy to have an extra day for Bobby to kind of rehab, get his, get himself right. Um, and just get ready to play. Even in the pictures the Bucks posted earlier today showing uh, the players working out, the picture of Bobby, he had his leg up like he was stretching his calf muscle out. So I was like, well, we're seeing the work in picture form as well outside of just seeing it on the injury report. So overall, I'm glad that he's probable, glad that it just seems like a contusion and not a strain or anything of that sort because, as we know, calves can be tricky. Um, it's something that can linger. So as long as it's not a strain, we're we're in good shape here. Yeah, it's a traditional old man injury, uh, the calf strain. Now, Bobby isn't that old, and neither is Luca, by the way, which is concerning for Luca. If you're that young and you're having calf problems, come on. This is like a 30-plus uh, ailment that you need to deal with. Uh, you mentioned the depth. The other thing, of course, the extension of Giannis minutes makes sense, but also it does. it is a, a nice luxury that you've just got Serge Ibaka sitting there exactly. on the bench as well that could potentially come on. And it's been interesting over the last sort of few weeks or really the last month and seeing some of the interactions that we have with Bucks fans on social media and those types of things. And a lot of people are asking about, you know, Serge Barker. And it's like, well, I mean, this is right now with everyone playing in a perfect world. When you traded for Serge Barker, you wouldn't have needed to play like that. That was, that was the perfect scenario. But in an in- instance like this, where maybe if Bobby Portis is sore, Maybe in the second half, the Bucs are winning the game. And you say, okay, well, we're just going to play Serge Barker, a veteran who's been there, been in huge moments right throughout his entire career, isn't going to be uh, out of place on the floor. I think it's nice. So I've always thought that with the Serge Barker trade, I don't care that he's not playing because it makes sense why he's not playing. It's like, who, is, mm-hmm. who are you playing him ahead of? None of those guys, uh, which we will get to a little bit later with DeMarcus Cousins, as I said, a kind of a similar situation. Maybe he wouldn't have been enjoying this uh, too much uh, sitting on the bench there, but we'll get to that. Uh, 
what else are you looking forward to for game two? We haven't spoke since game one, uh, Camille, but is yeah. there anything that you're still taking away from that game that you're looking forward uh, to this one tomorrow? Yeah, so game one was a, was a rock fight. I just tweeted like it was a very ugly game. Not yes. necessarily enjoyable to watch, especially when you watched how quickly the Bucks took off in the first quarter. You kind of felt like, oh, this is going to be over quick. Like we get to celebrate throughout the game. It won't be stressful. But one of my favorite like phrases about basketball is just that it's a game of runs. So you just need to understand that, okay, you got to run here. Cool. But expect the other team to have one at some point because it's just a game of runs. Um, and the buck or and the Bulls went on one and the Bucks had to dig deep. Shots were not falling, also weren't falling for Chicago. But luckily for the Bucks, the Bulls were already in a hole that they had to try to work themselves out of. In addition to but where the Bucks, you know, they already had a lead. So when they started struggling, at least they already had a little cushion. Game got a little tight and then the Bucks had to really lock in. But the biggest takeaway that I have from game one is when Giannis is on the court, <laughs> Chicago really doesn't have much for the Bucks. Like he is such a mismatch for them in so many different ways. He he just he was amazing outside of the fouls. And I expect for him to clean that up a little bit more. Drew Holiday's comments about the re- the 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 rust coming from the rest was interesting to me where I'm like, okay, let's see how that goes going forward. And Drew has already mentioned before, like this first game kind of felt like a throwback to last year's playoffs where it was Giannis kind of steadying the ship. And Chris is or Chris is struggling a little bit offensively. Drew struggling a little bit offensively, and you're just waiting for one because you know at some point one of them has to pop. Like you just know it's going to happen at some point. And in this Bulls game, it was Drew Holiday had a big fourth quarter for us. Uh, it was enjoyable to see how they closed the game out. Stressful at times throughout it because it felt like it shouldn't have been <laughs> as close as it was at some points. But that's basketball. I did not expect for this to be a series of blowouts. Um, maybe hopefully we get one one or two in there just uh, to get that 2015, you know, revenge from game six. But it's what I would expect to a certain degree. And one thing that did shock me, though, was the level of defense that Chicago Bulls were playing. Mm-hmm. I did not expect them to clamp up as much as they did. Caruso looked absolutely amazing out there. But uh, given how poorly we shot, I mean, they also shot poorly. But if I had to pick one of the big threes to – uh, have some more faith in given some of the <laughs> struggles we've seen Chicago have, I would lean towards the bucks because <sighs> I just feel like our guys can get buckets in a few more different ways um, consistently than Chicago can. We saw what was happening with DeRozan throughout game one, where he's kind of forcing up his shots, even tough looks. And the only person that we have on the tough shot express over on our side <laughs> is a uh, Chris, Chris Middleton there. So we'd love to see Chris get some easier looks, Defense was pretty good. Keep that up. And I, I just don't see um, Chris and Drew playing that poorly consistently. But what I can see happening is Brooke and Giannis being able to contribute at the level that they have consistently going forward. Yeah, it does feel like shot quality outside of threes. Both teams get a bunch of open threes in this game one. But shot quality inside the perimeter feels like it's heavily in the, in the favor of the Bucks because they do have uh, really just the size uh, mismatch. Uh, there as well. Now, uh, I will say this, uh, there would have been some fans outside the arena the other night. There's probably going to be fans, particularly moving forward and uh, talking to some people in Milwaukee. Apparently it was snowing again yesterday. Uh, but yes, the, the good news is, the good news is, Camille, that that summer is coming. Warm weather is on the way, which means when it's sunny, you need sunglasses, which means 
you need to go to talk to our friends at Shady Rays, which is an independent sunglass company that gives you the features of 200 bucks sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed, durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Uh, also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program, uh, which includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They'll send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. If you're walking down the street, you step in a pothole, your glasses fall off, and then you stand on them. Talk to our friends at Shady Rays, and they will get you a new pair. And uh, also, if you don't love them, uh, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRays.com. Use the code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's uh, locked on for the best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses. Um, and by the way, Shady Rays backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Uh, we'll get to Boogie Cousins. Uh, just to wrap up your point, though, Camille, and, and sort of talking about where the Bucks have advantages in this game. The one thing that I will say, and this has been something that uh, people have screamed for in the past, and the, the easiest example I can come up with is last year against Brooklyn where James Harden had the hamstring issues. And everyone's like, why don't you just isolate James Harden? Why don't you attack James Harden? He's injured. He can't move. The Bucks didn't necessarily do it. And they've never really been a team that, I would say, has uh, hunted mismatches or hunted advantages. But they do seem very, very aware of the size dominance in this matchup. And the amount of times, and that's why some of the passes that I think they were trying to make in game one were just absolutely absurd. I'm like, what are you trying to do? And even some of the passes that 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 worked, I think it's a dangerous game. And I don't think it helps Giannis with some of those passes where they'll just throw it up in the air and say, just catch the ball. Most of the times he can catch it. But there was also a couple of times where he very clearly pushed the defender to catch the ball. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the most obvious foul. And they didn't blow it. They didn't call it. So I just think look after you. Go for the mismatch. And they're very aware that they have the size mismatch. But just that we don't – you don't need to force it. I think this team can get whatever shot they want without needing to force that that stuff inside, which I thought they did a little bit too much in game one, which contributed heavily to the 21 turnovers. You would like to think yeah. – that you can almost cut that in half in game two. And there alone, you're going to be in a better spot. Could not agree more with that, especially talking about trying to force situations because, I mean, I did hear the Bulls fans who were talking about the over-the-back call that was not called. Hmm. And when I saw Giannis do it, I was like, why would you do that in this situation? Like, you know hmm. you have five foul. I thought it was a foul. <laughs> so when yeah. they didn't blow it, I was like, okay, we, we caught one here. Great. But understand, like, because you got – you know, lucky on that one call does not mean that's going to be something that's going to be called consistently. Because as we've seen, refs can kind of change what they're what they're calling as the game continues to go on. So I just hope in game two and going forward, um, just some of the detail things, just kind of cleaning up that sloppiness in that sense. Like you mentioned, having to push off the situation. So if that's what he has to do, because that's how tight the defense is, maybe let's put him in better positions where he doesn't need to have to do that. Let's get some better looks, some better entry passes. If it's not there, maybe pass the ball around, try to do something else, different action. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like, let's not force anything because that can definitely come back to bite you in the butt. And uh, <laughs> we don't need that. We don't, we got to get out. Like we have a plan here, 15 more wins to go. If you're, if you're trying to get those next 15, then you have to be disciplined. And that's something I've been saying throughout the regular season, you know, just 
I can't stand when we're undisciplined, when we do things where it's like, this is the error that's between, between the ears here. Like, let's, let's clean this up. Like you see what's happening. So yeah, I agree with your point there. And of course, the other obvious mismatch, we always think about Giannis. And, and as you pointed to at the start, Camille, just going by plus minus. And we've had plenty, plenty of people in the in the YouTube comments point that out as well. Um, just play him more. Like I said on yesterday's show, uh, you know, Drew and Chris played 39 minutes. So I got no doubt Bud will play him those minutes. But the foul trouble, irrespective mm-hmm. of the last minute where I think we all would have liked to have seen him on the floor. But if he wasn't in foul trouble, then he would have he would have played those those uh, you know higher minutes. I'm not worried about that. But Brook Lopez played 32 minutes himself, which is on the high end for him. Really, throughout his entire time with Milwaukee, anytime you see Brook Lopez over 30 minutes, uh, you generally know that it's a series that the Bucks feel like they can play him, and a series that they feel like he's having a real impact. Uh, obviously, it's been amazing to me to see how how quickly he has looked like Brook Lopez since coming back. But as as well as Giannis, he looms as a guy that can get you 20 points a night with ease in this series. And it's not just the way that we've seen him score a lot in the regular season since he's come to Milwaukee shooting the threes, but in the postseason, we saw it last year, his ability to score inside uh, is only magnified in the postseason and perhaps particularly against this matchup. If you're going to put Vooch on him, I don't think he's too concerned about it. No, not at all. And it was times where like the other way around where Vooch is trying to back Brooke down and I'm like, yeah, Go ahead, like go ahead and try that out for you. Go ahead and try that on for size, and let's see what happens there. But yeah, Brooke Lopez is a luxury to have. Like we all have been applauding him defensively, especially this year, because we all know there were conversations last season. People think we should trade Brooke Lopez, and he's going to get played off the floor, and it won't work. And and then the playoffs happen, and you see how valuable it is to have somebody like Brooke, because not only does he help facilitate the, the defense there by being that man in the middle being their quarterback defensively, but offensively he also opens up so much because I think a lot of Bucks fans still kind of think of Brooke as that three-point shooter above the break coming down, you know, late on the fast break setting up. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Brook. Like, Brooke, that's a reason yeah. that on this team they mentioned Brooklyn Brook. Like, he was a bucket in the post. Like, he – it's a, he's the leading scorer in Brooklyn Nets history like because he gets buckets in that way. So knowing that he can do that, although the Bucks ask, you know, hey, we want you to spot up a little bit more often. So, like, he's versatile. He can get you those threes if they're open. He can also get you points in the paint. The only thing with Brooke offensively um, that kind of makes me shake my head sometimes is sometimes he just takes very difficult shots for no <laughs> reason. Like, why are you falling right now to the side? Like, you could have just did a little hook shot right here, but – those moments aside, having Brooke is is a luxury to have. And when you see him and Giannis continuously beating people up inside, like it's 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 some bully ball there, and I love to see it. Yeah, and go back and go on YouTube or whatever, and uh, as you just pointed to, and watch him in Brooklyn and the tough, flippy, whatever you want to call them, shots. Uh, he's been doing that his whole life, and if. And going back to a couple of the end ones he had, particularly the first one that he had, which was sort of not quite as far out as the free throw line, but it was in the lane there. It wasn't in a restricted area, let's say. And yeah, he just kind of flipped it up, gets the end one, and it goes down. I mean, he does make those shots, but you're right. When he's missing them, it's like, I don't know if that's the shot you need to take. Particularly some of the threes. I know Frank's referenced yeah. it before, but sometimes he'll pump fake, and it's like, do you really just want this guy like closer to you? And he just and because he's still going to shoot it because he's still big enough to do it. But it's like, why didn't he just take the first one? It seems like it was an easier shot. Uh, but he has been over 
uh, even going back to the to the Eastern Conference Finals run in 2019, he's been been one of the more reliable uh, shooters and one of the more reliable offensive players for the Bucks through even series that didn't go mm-hmm. uh, all that well. I'll tell you what else is reliable for my hunger, and that's Built Bar, uh, the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. And uh, the perfect playoff snack, in my opinion. So you go to built.com and check out all the flavors uh, that they've got for you that you can have at home. If you're having a little, you know, watch party perhaps at home, Camille, then a, a built bar will do the trick for you. And as we know, they've got uh, a ridiculous amount of uh, different flavors there with the cinnamon, the almond, the the marshmallow flavors ones that they've got there as well, the cookies and cream, everything is there for you. And uh, the good news is, uh, that they are they're healthy for you as well, which isn't always the case. If you're talking about snacks you're eating during a basketball game, so this will be good for you. Uh, you'll feel good. The Bucks will win, and uh, it'll be a good night all around. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Let's talk DeMarcus Cousins, Camille. So... Mm. Uh, he obviously had a short period with the Milwaukee Bucks and was relatively productive in, in his time there. The, certainly the numbers and the advance, the on-off stuff was was favorable. It wasn't bad, even though the Bucks were certainly struggling uh, through that period of the season. But he was cut. I don't think anyone was really surprised that he was cut. A few weeks later, the Bucks made a, a trade for Serge Barker, who we mentioned obviously earlier in the show. But uh, DeMarcus Cousins did this story with Mark Spears, who... Uh, it, well, it used to be uh, the under, undefeated, but I, I, I guess they've changed the name now. I, Anscape. I there we go, Anscape. So um, you can check it out there, the the full story. But essentially, he didn't hold back. And DeMarcus Cousins has never been someone that's held back, but he, he basically said that you know, he was disappointed with the way his situation in Milwaukee was handled. He thought that he was you know, playing a role. He was healthy. He was doing this. He's been productive. Mm. The Bucks mentioned you know, potentially long-term stuff with him when they signed him. I, I just, I don't understand to me what value there is for DeMarcus Cousins to come out in the middle of a playoff series that he's in with his new team and slander the Bucks. Like, I don't think it's a good look for him. And I think at this point in his career, based on the injuries, based on his limitations, which we all saw when he was in Milwaukee, I thought he was, he played fine, but he's, he's not even close to the same guy. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me for him to come out. I mean, this is the NBA. Guys get cut all the time. And he's at a point in his career, and we've seen a number of players do that. He used to be a star. He used to be a perennial all-star. He could get you 20 and 10. He can't do that night in, night out anymore. He's just a guy in the league, and he doesn't have a great reputation. So I, I don't think that they, that it's a given that he could walk into the defending champs and expect that he's just going to walk in and get minutes and get a long-term contract. It was just a bizarre timing for me. The timing thing I can I can definitely see, um, especially the timing really doesn't work out when you see that he was on the sidelines arguing with, I think it was Will Barton uh, <laughs> yeah, during uh, their, their, last, yeah. their, their last loss. But um, so the boogie mm-hmm. thing, when he got cut initially, I wasn't shocked that he got cut because I was kind of already thinking it through and I'm like, okay, I don't think he'll have a role in the playoffs. He's really, really slow footed. Uh, (laughs) And he fouls a lot. So I was like, okay, like he's given us spot minutes because we needed a big body at that time. And I was, I was pleased with him while he was here. I enjoyed him here. It seemed like he was happy being in Milwaukee. 
what shocked me was the timing of when he got cut because the news dropped like as soon as that game ended. I was like, he must still be in the locker room. Like now he's getting cut. And to see Boogie come out and say like, no, yeah, like it was, it was like that. Like I'm, I'm in the locker room, still full Jersey. And they're telling me I'm out the door. Um, that was disappointing to see that that's the way it went down because we always hear how it's a business. It's a business. It's a business. But when you also hear companies saying like, you know, it's a family atmosphere and we like to treat people a certain way to hear that they didn't necessarily follow that code of ethics that they said they're, uh, uh, you know, striving to achieve. It's disappointing. As a Bucks fan, I was disappointed to hear that that's how he got treated, especially when he, you know, rebelled like, Hey, I was between Milwaukee and Denver. Denver didn't have a spot at the time. Milwaukee was saying the thing can be a long-term fit and this, and this and that. And really like I call it selling him a dream a little bit to a certain degree where it's like, this is the role we see for you. And when it came time to double up it, it they just were like, you know what, actually not all that interested. Uh, we're going to go a different direction. So I can see why that hurts. And the timing of it definitely is a little strange, but in an interview, I think it was with Mark, was it with Mark Spear? Who was Mark mm. Yeah. In an interview like that, where you're going to be just talking about different subjects, I can see how it comes up. Um, if that was the focus of the article, then I'd be like, this is kind of weird. But to me, the real focus of it was him talking about his tenure with the Kings <laughs> and uh, how he felt that team, like they didn't do much for him. I mean, he's like, I had seven head coaches and <laughs> like just the amount of turnover that the Kings had and highlighting that fact and talking about his time with Denver. And it felt just like an all around piece on where he kind of was as a player. And something that he said before I get to the Kings part that, interesting to me was he mentioned his play with the Clippers where he said, I thought that that time showed teams that I was okay with being a bench guy, that I'm okay with accepting the fact that I'm no longer going to give you 20 and 10 a night. I know that. Like I thought I proved that. So for me to have to sit and wait for some phone calls was kind of shocking. So I wanted to bring that up because that was kind of an interesting point where he feels that he's done some rehab to his image, to his name, to you know be considered for a bench role because he understands like at this point, that's who I am. He has no qualms about that. But to the Kings part, I agree with him on, on that. And uh, George Carl, of course, couldn't help himself. He had to also throw in some comments, bringing up the fact he's like, oh, what did the Kings? They just paid you $50 million and gave you a basketball career. And I've mentioned before on this show, I already got beef with George Carl because <laughs> I still feel like, you know, he's the catalyst that got Ray Allen out of Milwaukee. But George Carr also has a little bit of a sordid history, which is some slick comments that don't need to be said at certain times. Uh, talking about the Kings organization as a whole, Boogie didn't name George Carl, even though we know he doesn't like George Carl. He just meant, hey, the organization as a whole did not do me right. And if you look at the Kings in the last time they even made the playoffs, like you can't like there's, there's really no argument to say that, that organization is not ran properly. So for George Carl to come out and bring up the fact that he's gotten paid $50 million, it's like, it's not like he was charity, Like he earned that money. He was a top player at that time. If the Kings weren't paying him $50 million, someone else would have. So it felt kind of high and mighty of George Carl to me to come in and be like, Oh, what do you mean? We paid you $50 million. And any chance I get to kind of uh dunk on George Carl a little bit, I'm going to take it. <laughs> I'm going to take it. Well, you're not alone in feeling that way. So, and to your point that, you know, what the timing of, of when the Bucks released him, whatever. I mean, uh, typically in this scenario, there's there's two sides to the story. And, and, and it, of course, if, if that was the case, and this goes for not a player with 
his status and his reputation, but right. any player, I mean, that's that sucks. And you would like to think that it could be handled a little more uh, sensitively, I guess, when you're talking about someone's career and moving to a city and all these things that go on that we often forget with players who have to go through a lot to get there. I, I guess my point would be, when he does talk about his image and you're coming back and being happy with being a role player and all those things, you kind of, if you, if you come out then and, and have this article, then it's like, yeah. I don't what think, you <laughs> yeah, I just don't think. And then, you know, hours after that, he gets ejected in, in game one. In game two, he's fighting with a teammate. I, to me, I, I just don't, I, when you put it all together, it's it's one of the questions we had when the Bucks didn't keep him around. We're like, well, he's been like semi-productive. Do you think he could play in the playoffs? Probably not. We understand they probably wanted the Brook Lopez insurance and, and they got Ibaka, who they were probably more comfortable with defensively rather than Boogie Cousins. So I, I understand all that. But the one part that we didn't know looking from the outside is how is he really in the locker room? How is he really with these guys? And how is he really understanding that his minutes are going to be very, very uh, minimal? So... I mean, I said it when he was here. I hope that he can play because the one thing you can tell when you watch him is that he desperately wants to play yes. and he desperately wants to be healthy and do some of the things that he used to be able to do. I just don't know. I don't know if that's the best way to to sell yourself to teams that are going to eventually someone's going to you know have to sign him this offseason. And, and maybe after the way things have gone in the playoffs, it won't be Denver. So it's like if you come out, and all this stuff happens, it just didn't seem like a good decision for him personally, even though it's fascinating to get these insights to the players. I'm just not sure it was the best personal uh, move for him moving forward. Yeah, that's the that's the tough part where it's like I, you enjoy getting the information, but then it's kind of like at what cost does it does right. it come at? And that's the thing with like reputations. Like it takes so long to build a good reputation that's and right. in a moment you can lose it. So even if Boogie has been an upstanding, you know, teammate citizen over the last couple of years, he has to fight against the reputation that he has that he's earned throughout his time in the league. So it's, it's, it's tricky, you know, situations. And I, like I said, when we had Boogie, I enjoyed having him here. I thought he was fun. His interviews, he was always very, honest and personable mm-hmm. which we we saw in this interview um, I hope that doesn't bite him in the butt I, I wish him well and maybe him being back with uh coach Malone because they yeah. had good chemistry when he was in Sacramento uh, you notice how Malone didn't take any offense to the fact that he mentioned that the you know what never mind not going back to George Carl but <laughs> <laughs> maybe something you know he has something there with with Malone or he's yeah. just at a point in his career where he's like, I'm just going to be honest like I've I've made so much money I know it's going to be taken away from me at any time. I'm just going to be true to myself and 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 keep it keep it 100. I've always liked Boogie Cousins, much like, and for partly for that reason that he he does he won't hold anything back for better or worse for, for himself. Um, I appreciate the fact that he just comes out and talks same same as I do Kevin Durant as well. I really I find him like such yes. a, such a fascinating character. So I wish him well. Uh, I totally understand why it didn't work out in Milwaukee, but uh, just interesting little tie into the Bucks and his short time uh, here as well, which is obviously a fascinating period in this year's uh, regular season. Eight thirty tip off is a little bit late. Uh, you better—I I don't know what the, the coffee, uh, sleeping in the morning if that's possible. It's a work day, probably not. Yeah. Uh, get yourself ready for this one, Camille. Oh yeah, it's going to be a, a post-work nap. You know, gotta. Okay. Got to make sure I'm I'm ready to go for the game. But no, it'll it, once the game starts. Normally, what happens is like, oh, I'm so tired. I can't believe I have to wait so long for this game to start. And then like, I'm gonna take a nap. 
then as I'm laying there, I'm like getting excited to watch the game. So there's no nap. It's just like me laying there for a little while until I decide to continue watching. Speaking basketball. of a nap, I'm tired. Uh, and but and uh, 11:30 a.m. for me, so I should be uh, well and truly awake uh, for this game. Uh, make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast and the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, they got you covered for everything else happening around uh, the NBA during these playoffs as they just get started. Camille, you rest that ankle. Everyone else. Uh, get yourself ready for this game too. Hopefully, the Bucks will head back to Chicago with 2-0 lead. But I'll be here with Frank for the post-game show, so make sure you check that out. And now uh, for Camille and myself, take it easy. Speak to you guys after the game.